1: This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 166 of We Are Going Up. December is here. It's dark. It's cold. It's the best time of the football season. I'm Mark Crossley, completing my festive winter jumper, David Cameron Walker. Are you feeling festive yet? Not really. No? No No. antlers on just yet? No tinsel in the studio? No, I'm afraid not. No. It's a bit early to be feeling festive, sort of in the sense of where we are in December and also in terms of the time of day, because this is and the 166th episode of this podcast, plus all the add-on bits. This is probably the first one we've ever recorded in the morning. It's true, actually. It is, isn't normally, it? Normally, this is 9.23 in the morning at the moment. It's
2: normally the 12 hours in
1: advance at 9.23 at night. We should feel positively fresh. The amount mm. of podcasts we've gone in to do where... I had to get up an hour earlier for this, so <laughs> I don't did. feel fresh at all, I'm afraid. <laughs> Right how's tricks for you anyway you savoring life as a premier league fan i know that's what everyone wants to know at the you're not missing the tuesday saturday tuesday saturday football well, i do league. miss
2: i was speaking to someone about this uh, the other day actually i do miss the tuesday games that's the one that's the real thing i do miss from from the football league is the especially there's been what three international breaks this season already yeah, so yeah. it's been a couple of weeks where we've had like two weeks in no football so yeah I do miss the old Tuesday night games but it's uh it's certainly fun in the Premier League if
1: you're doing well which we I wish we are at the moment mm. and that Luton fan who used to tweet us banging on about you talking about Watford he's happy because you're not mentioning mm. him no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right okay coming up then well, quite a lot's been happening actually um obviously I'm up in Manchester a story I've been following quite closely up here is the Uh, The plight of Bolton, who continues to lunge from one crisis to the next, their situation now increasingly perilous. Also, the payers haven't been played. Gordon Taylor from the PFA was down there uh, the other day. Um, Yeah, they obviously just said the payers haven't been played. (laughs) It's it's early, mate. It's early. (laughs) The players haven't been paid, Um, or have they been paid now? Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Don't also, play. the payers also play the, <laughs> playing the board. All right, Leave it. Uh, <laughs> managerial changes at Colchester, Chesterfield, and Wayne Brown. Wayne Brown. Let's go back to Watford. There's a Watford connection for you, <laughs> right? Yeah, we'll come on to that. And Yeovil as well, who are going for the triple drop. I believe They're doing their best. I don't know aren't if that's they? some yeah. kind of record. They certainly are. Uh, plus, we're going to have more on the news that Brentford have appointed the Warsaw manager Dean Smith as their new boss on a permanent basis. And that, of course, leaves the Saddlers, who are currently fourth in League One, looking for a new manager. Uh, Later on, our guest is going to be Joseph Massey, a football journalist for the Express and Star in the West Midlands. He can tell us where Walsall go next from this and talk to us a bit about what Dean Smith is like as a manager. But first, we thought we'd begin with this. Now, it's a developing story. So this move may have gone through by the time you hear this. But it's a story which is broken over the last 24 hours or so Uh, Burton Albion. They've given QPR clearance to speak to Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank about becoming uh, QPR's new manager, an ex-Chelsea man, DC mm. potentially in at QPR.
2: Yeah, so I spoke to uh, Ashley Wilkinson from the uh, Burton Mail uh, on Wednesday lunchtime, just as this story was yes. was breaking, sort of Wednesday morning, Wednesday lunchtime. So it looks like it will probably go through before before the week is out, and it's an interesting move, as you'll hear me discuss with Ashley. I mean, Hasselbank is a man who has impressed so far as a manager and I think everybody always thought he'd take a step up and there'd be people who were after him certainly uh, and there, there undoubtedly has been before this as well and it looks like this is the one he's going to go for. Do
1: you remember when we did that live pod at um, Brentford against Orient a few years ago and we spotted him outside? Do you remember that? Mm, um, yeah. It's come a long way since then um, because uh, yeah, Burton Albion lead to title winners last season and Get this table at the minute, League One, the Brewers, two points clear at the top of the table after 20 games, 13 wins from their first 20 games in the third tier, 41 points. So he's always going to be a wanting man, but is this the right move for him and QPR? As DC mentioned, he spoke to Ashley Wilkinson, the Burton Albion writer at the Burton Mail, and Ashley started off by admitting that Hasselbank's departure will be a real loss for everyone at the Pirelli Stadium.
3: Well, it is a blow, you know, you can't... Uh... You can't hide that fact. You can't mask it. It, Jimmy Floyd-Asselbank has taken Burton Albion to the League Two title and then he's taken them to the top of League One in in the space of a year. It is a huge blow. But (laughs) Jimmy's an ambitious man. And I think the club have always been realistic enough to know that, look, uh, Jimmy Jimmy was always going to see Burton Albion as a stepping stone. and, And the club have always said as much. Um, so I think they're realistic enough to know that this was always in the offing at some stage and I think now it just depends on who they can get in next to see if they can stay at that top end of League One because it really has been an, an incredible ride over the last uh, year or so under Jimmy.
2: It seems like looking at what the players have been saying after the last few games, they're, they're well aware that this is something that could always have happened and uh, you, you'd think that maybe they prepared mentally for a change of manager and that that should be able to help the new guy come in and, and keep things going.
3: Yeah, very possibly. I mean, he, Jimmy's got a very professional squad there. You know, it was, a large part of it was assembled by Gary Rowett. He, he wanted a similar sort of character in his squad, very professional, very focused, very determined. And the players have been keen to stress that throughout all this, they haven't been distracted by the speculation. They've kept their focus on the, on the game. And I think that's evidence of where they sit now in the league. I don't want to say that there won't be an effect of losing the manager because it's, he's, a, he's a guy players want to play for. You know, Shane Council Sheriff has said as much. John Massinio has said as such. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be a blow, but I think certainly they've got the squad to be able to adapt to a new manager's way of thinking and to certainly adapt to uh, to new training methods or anything like that. I, I don't see it being a massive issue as, as long as the right man, of course, is brought in.
2: And who do you think that man might be at this early stage? Do you think there'll, there'll be plans, you know, ready and waiting? Because I suppose this is something that they are used to at Burton, having Gary before, Nigel Clough, but, you know, a good few years ago now, and they're used to having managers that they probably knew at some point would move on.
3: Yeah, I think there'll be contingency plans in place, but certainly at this early stage, I mean, Jimmy hasn't even left the club as, as, as we speak at the moment. Mm. Um, we know it's likely to happen. We don't know whether, you know, any anything may or may not um, scupper any potential deal, but, I think until Jimmy is confirmed as as having signed on that dotted line, I think they'll they'll, they'll certainly play the cards very close to the chest. But, yeah, they'll have been prepared uh, for for Jimmy Lee for a while, especially because this speculation has gone on for a while. You know, QPR have been reported to be interested ever since Chris Ramsey left on November 4th. And that's been, you know, hanging around the club uh, in a sense. So there'll, there'll be plans in place. But at the moment, there's no indication that there's any movement imminently or anything like that.
2: So what sort of manager are QPR getting? We all remember how explosive he was as a player, but it seems from from what I've heard, he's, he's not exactly the same as a manager.
3: No, he's, he's actually very different to how he was as a player. And this is something, I, 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 when I interviewed him recently, when he celebrated his first year in charge of the Brewers, um, he said people see him one way, and actually he's completely different between how he was as a player and how he was as a manager. He's very methodical, he's a deep thinker, very analytical. He's not one of these managers who will scream and shout on the touchline, cajoling players. He's much more content sitting back, writing notes in his notebook and passing messages on to his assistant David Oldfield. He's a very deep thinker when it comes to football. Um, And defensively, he has organised that Burton Albion defence in such a way that they've kept so many, clean sheets, 11. Uh, this season in all competitions it, it, it is an incredible statistic. You know, the, the players know where they have to be at any one time, and that's down to Jimmy's planning on the on the training ground. Especially, I mean, if he does go to QPR, one of their problems has been conceding, I think, 25 goals so far this season. And I, I think that will certainly be his, one of his first ports of call, is to is, is to fix any leaks in the defence.
2: You have to look at the situation and, and on the one hand of course it, it's a step up you're moving from a club that have, you know, at League One but have never been at that level before into a championship club who certainly would want to be in the Premier League in the near future and have been in the, in the recent past but I can't help but think is it maybe the wrong move for, for someone like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank who's had a very promising career so far, but we've seen a lot of managers go in at QPR and there's more to it than just the manager there. There are a lot of people influencing the football side of things. Uh, it's a club mm. that is never too far away from, from disaster in recent times, it seems, despite the, the good players they've got for that level. So, it, you know, it would be a shame to see in six months' time, if it doesn't go right for whatever reason, that, the, that his career had a setback for, for making perhaps the wrong choice.
3: It would be, and I understand that. The thing is, there's, there's yeah, there's a great deal of difference between how, he, how the setup is at Burton Albion and how the setup is at Queens Park. There's no director of football at Burton Albion. Um, Jimmy, you know, he, he has the say on transfers. Obviously, it has to be in line with his with his budget. The clubs run very very well in that sort of regard, and, and Jimmy understands that. Whether it will be an issue for Jimmy is a question only Jimmy can answer. Um, whether he will be prepared to say work with a director of football like Les Ferdinand again that that comes down to the man himself there's no indication that he has particular interest in working with the director of football but similarly there's no uh, interest that he particularly hasn't either so That's one for Jimmy to answer, and yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. But given that the base that QPR have got, they have got a good squad there—a squad that has underperformed. If Jimmy can organise them well and motivate them well, and by all accounts he's excellent at both, there's no reason why you can't get them into the the right end of the table and be where he wants to be, which ultimately is managing in the Premier League.
2: And he does leave. If he does leave, he he leaves behind a a team who are obviously at top of the league, a great platform for someone else to come in and, and potentially capitalise and, and take Burton to the Championship. As we sit here in, in December, do you think it's a realistic proposition that they could get promoted?
3: Oh, it, It's fantastical in many sort of ways because you, I mean, you look at a club like Burton Albion who have attendances of say three to 4,000 at home games and you think competing in the Championship, I mean hypothetically, one of Aston Villa, Sunderland or Newcastle could be heading mm. down if, if not more than that. More than one of them, and they could be facing Burton Albion on equal footing next season. deservedly so, it's it's an amazing sort of achievement that, that the club are even in that sort of conversation. But I, I don't see why. If they, I mean they've they've got 41 points now after 20 games. If they keep that up, and the new manager comes in and he keeps that record up, it's a big ask. But you could be looking at you know high 80s, 90 points, something like that, and and that is you know, that's a promotion total or certainly a high playoff total if if it's a a big season, but it'll be a tough ask for any manager to come in and and continue the work Jimmy's done because he has done such a fantastic job, but why not? They're in that conversation, you know, why why not be ambitious? Certainly the club uh, are looking to finish at the right end this year. If, If not mention the P word, then they're certainly looking to to surprise a few people.
2: I mean, any job that comes up in in the Football League, Premier League, wherever, in, chairmen are flooded with applications such as the, the array of managers out there out of work looking for, for an opportunity. But you, you'd think that this one will be a particularly attractive job at the moment. It's a settled club that's on the up it's, it's progressing year on year and you know they've got the St George's Park uh, training as well that yeah. was another attractive element to the club and you know this this is a real opportunity for someone maybe to, 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 to take and follow in the footsteps of Rauer and Hasselbank and, and lead the club forward
3: Absolutely and you know the- I mean, they've only been a football league club since um, around, I think it was 2008 uh, and, and or 2009. And yet in that time, they've built a squad that's been capable of reaching the top of League One. They are well-organised. The finances are healthy. They, you know, They're, they're never going to have millions to spend, but they are going to be able to, to bring players in if they need to. Yeah, they may need to move one or two out on occasion because, I mean, they have got a, a decent-sized squad at the moment. But I think any manager who comes in will look at that squad that if Jimmy Floresbank does leave, he will look at the squad Jimmy's left behind and said, yeah, do you know what? This is a well-settled side, as, as you mentioned there. The spine of the side is very, very strong, capable of playing in, in multiple formations, very well organised. They know what, what the roles are. Is there too much I need to change here? You know, maybe it's just a case of getting the players motivated and and seeing what can be done for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's a very attractive proposition for for prospective managers.
2: Ashley, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, We'll let you get back to it. I'm sure you're very busy chasing the latest developments of the story and uh, whatever happens, we'll uh, we'll speak to you soon, hopefully down the line celebrating promotion uh, party at the end of the season.
3: That will be lovely. Thank you very much for having me on. Cheers. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've
1: got the Football League covered. So that was Ashley Wilkinson from the Burton Mail talking to DC on Wednesday lunchtime this week. Um, Do you think Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank will be a good fit for QPR? Does he really know what he's getting himself into if he does go to Loftus Road? Well, I hope he does because it
2: doesn't look like it will be easy judging by what's gone on there over the last few seasons. They've got good players, no doubt about that. But for the championship, they they should be doing better than they are. They're currently 12th. But... As we've seen over the last few years, it's 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 not always been the most well-run of clubs, and and I, you know maybe they're making efforts to change that. Les Ferdinand seems to have a lot more power these days, and maybe that's a good thing. I think Tony Fernandez has made a lot of mistakes during his time as owner and chairman there, and which which he's admitted. But what they haven't done necessarily over the last few years is is a, is a point. The right manager at the right time, and I think this may well be the right manager. I don't know whether it's the right time, whether whether he can rescue the season. I mean, points wise, they're only what they've got—twenty-three points—and uh, Birmingham in sixth, twenty-eight, so only five points off the playoffs. There's plenty of football to be played. That they they, they they certainly should be looking at promotion this season, and they, they've they've got one of the hottest young managers in the football league. So on the surface, it looks like a good thing, but uh, by no means should we expect
1: it to be a success straight away. Um, and if it if it isn't a success, you know that Neil Warner could just be sort of waiting in the wings to come back. That much is for sure. wonder what will happen to him if Hasselbank gets the job. Well, he was brought in, you know, you, you don't know, you have to sort of
2: wonder about the motives of bringing him in at the time that they did well, as soon as he was brought in you were looking at thinking alright you know Ramsey's probably not long for, for this world then, and, and Warner of course will be in the dugout before long and, and so it proved to be is he still going to be there I mean I don't know whether Jimmy would want him there. Maybe it would be useful to have an experienced man there to give you to, to bounce ideas off and a bit of advice. But Hasselbank strikes me as someone who's quite um determined, forceful sort of personality. He's his own man, so I don't know whether he'd want Neil Warnock in the background or, or not. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see on that one. But I, I think it's certainly a better outcome for
1: QPR fans than to have been stuck with Warnock uh, <laughs> and Kevin Blackwell for the rest of the season. Yes, I know that. I know Blackwell from experience. Um, Right. So we'll watch that. I mean, that move might have gone through by the time you hear this. We'll have to wait and see. Let's talk about a move which has definitely gone through then. This is Dean Smith moving from the League One side, Walsall, uh, to go to Brentford. You might remember the Bees had Marcus Dijkhausen in charge at the start of the season. It's been Lee Carsley recently. Now they've made a move for Smith. The 44-year-old leaves Walsall third in League One. He's been in charge of the Saddlers since 2011, took them to Wembley last season. Um, And this is probably, well, it is his most high-profile job to date. Um, earlier, we caught up with Joseph Marcy, who is a football journalist for the Express and Star in the West Midlands, covers Walsall for the paper. Uh, we spoke to him about Smith's decision to leave the club and uh, a little bit about what he's like as a manager. And I started by asking Joseph if he felt this move was always on the cards from the moment that Brentford expressed an interest.
0: Um, no, I didn't, to be honest. Um, it was, it's been a shock um, ever since sort of, the news broke on Saturday night. It was, that was when we were first made aware that Brentford have made their approach I think from what I'm told they actually made their approach in the build up to the Bradford game on Saturday Um, and then from then on really it was always going to be a case of Dean Smith getting all the assurances and that he needed really to make the move Walsall is very very close to his heart Um, I'm sure most people are aware he was a former player there he's been there for six and a half years now in a coaching capacity started out as the youth coach and now it's almost five years as manager I think when he left, he was actually the fourth longest serving manager in the country. Um, Dean, I mean, as, as a reporter point of view, he's been absolutely fantastic to work with. And he's the most conscientious man in football I've ever met, to be honest. He's not, he's not on, one of these guys who's on the manager merry-go-round, if you like. Um, he fought long and hard about a decision. His family's based in the, in the West Midlands. Um, and he wouldn't, I'm absolutely sure, he wouldn't have gone to Brentford um, if he thought there was a chance in six months' time he could have been out of job because he loved Walsall. He, he almost had a job for life at Walsall. And I think he'd, would, he's only made the move because he's been given insurances that he'll have the time to implement his ideas and be able to get those ideas across.
2: I have seen a few people, perhaps unfairly, raise eyebrows at the appointment because he's, he's not got Walsall promoted, he's done a good job, but he's, he's not hit the headlines, so to speak. But looking at him moving to a club like Brentford, it strikes me as though it's very similar to what they do when they buy players, perhaps. They they don't necessarily go out and buy superstars. They go out and they look at the numbers and the stats and they think this is the guy that's going to fit our model. And I think they've done the same thing here with Dean.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, for any Brentford fans worried about the appointment, I'd say uh, you've got a very, very, very good manager. I mean, Walsall won the lowest budgets in the league. Uh, for anyone who's seen them this season, they've probably played arguably the best football in the league. They deserve to be... In the top three, they probably should be. They deserve to be in the top two. Um, it's just budget thing again. I mean, it really does work on a shoestring. Dean Smith. I think last season, although they finished 14th in League One, which again still is probably where their wage budget still higher than where their wage budget would be in a league table. You also got Walsall to Wembley for the first time in their history in the Johnston's Paint Trophy final. Um, before that game, I think there's only four clubs in the Football League who hadn't actually made it to Wembley. Um, Walsall being one of them so I mean for the fans they lost that they lost that game to Bristol City but it was almost like getting to Wembley was enough for the fans they just wanted to get that monkey off their back Um, so he's done a great job for the past well past two or three years really
1: and what have the fans made of his decision to leave because I've been sort of monitoring it a little bit on Twitter and it's quite um, obviously it happens when any manager leaves any club but um, a lot of fans didn't seem best pleased by his decision obviously there was the 12 month rolling contract which he signed recently you've actually spoke to him in the last day or so what's he had to say?
0: Um, Yeah, there has been a bit of negative reaction to Smith leaving, mainly from his press conference yesterday morning, um, which was the first time he'd spoke since he took the Brentford job. He did call the decision to move a no-brainer, which I think, in hindsight, was a mistake. Uh, Unfortunately, I did manage to speak to him last night. We've got stories going out today, and he made it clear just what a tough decision it was for him to leave. I can't stress it enough. Walsall is a club he loves. Um, he wouldn't have. It was going to take something special for him to leave. I think what he's been presented with at Brentford is a special opportunity. They've got money, the structure's in place. They're about to move to a forty thousand seat stadium, hopefully for twenty seventeen. And he's got a real crack at getting into the Premier League with them. It was going to take something like that. That for anyone to convince him to leave the Suddlers.
2: I understand why fans might be disappointed to hear someone describe moving away as a no-brainer, but you, you do have to agree w- with him, really. As you just said, they've got money, new stadium on the horizon. They are a club with a very forward-thinking, with a, with a unique approach, uh, and it hasn't necessarily always been a success certainly recently but you can see with the job that Mark Warburton did there they came so close to getting into into the Premier League something that is completely unthinkable for for a club like like Walsall and was for a club like Brentford not too long ago so he he must go there and think look if I can do what I think I can do with these players and and back my own ability I could be a Premier League manager within the next few years maybe
0: yeah absolutely I mean that is exactly along the lines he's thinking I've got he wouldn't mind me saying he's been quoted many times saying that getting Walsall to the championship was the improbable dream for him getting them to the Premier League was the impossible dream um, well he said to me last night getting Brentford to the Premier League is a possible dream um, he believes he can do it he believes he can do it in the next few years I believe he wouldn't as I said I believe he wouldn't have left if he wasn't given those assurances that he would be given at least a season or two to to get them up there and I think he's going to do a really good job Matthew Benham the Brentford chairman, been widely criticised, mainly because of what happened with Mark Warburton. But I think that's been massively taken out of context. Most Brentford fans hugely appreciative of the job he did. Um, I think Mark Warburton wasn't sacked. He left a, was a mutual agreement why he left. There were complicated reasons for that. But I think Benham's realised he made a mistake and he, sees, uh, he won't be the first chairman to make a mistake in football. I think he sees Dean Smith as the man to help him rectify that mistake and eventually get Brentford up.
1: Now, on um, obviously Dean Smith left on Monday. Um, the following day, um, Walsall went and won three one away at Shrewsbury. Um, Mickey Mellon has been linked with the job. I've seen this week. Also, Adam Murray at Mansfield. Um, have you got any inklings, Sort of, uh, I know it's only a few days on from his departure as to where Walsall might go next.
0: No, I mean I know Mickey Mellon very well because I actually covered Shrewsbury last season. Um, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if there was any sort of truth in that rumour. To be honest, Adam Murray. I don't know a lot about. I know Mansfield moved very, very quickly to um, to issue a statement saying he'll be set, he'll be staying there. Um, in terms of the manager search, I think everyone has just got to bear in mind just how quickly this has happened. The official line is that, as I said, Smith was approached before the Bradford game on Saturday. He went down to talk to Brentford on Sunday. He was saying his goodbyes to Walsall on Monday. It's a it's a massive shock to everyone that he's actually gone because. For many, he was Walsall through and through. So I think the time the board, the Walsall board have just taken their time now, compiling the list of candidates and seeing where to go. It's also just one more point important to remember that Walsall are in a very, very uh, promising position—a position that they haven't found themselves in for, for many a year, really. An attractive proposition for many managers, especially if they're out of work. And there's no real need for their board to rush the decision because. They'll, obviously, they want to get this decision
2: right. Just, I mean, this season, as you say, is is an opportunity to, for someone to come in and, and build on what Dean's done, and and maybe just maybe finishing those playoffs, or, or even get them up in, into the top two if things go really well. But do you do you worry, perhaps, longer term, if this appointment isn't right, and for whatever reason it doesn't the success doesn't continue, that you know we will see Warsaw regress to perhaps. Met where, lower down and where they should be, where their wage bill says that they should be. Maybe Dean Smith has got the team to overperform on average in the last few years, and we might see Warsaw level out a bit.
0: Uh, yeah, well, that, that, obviously that, that is the big fear, isn't it? We're just going mean, we just to have to see how it goes on that one. Warsaw said that they've got—they've got, they've got the structure in place. They believe that they've kept the vast majority of the coaching staff, with the exception of Richard Kelly, the assistant manager, who's obviously gone with Dean Smith, but they believe the foundation's there for a manager to come in and keep it ticking over. So it's just going to just going to hope that has to be the case. One, I mean, you could argue, I, well, I'd argue, that Dean Smith's biggest strength as a manager is his man management skills. There is absolutely no doubt that all the Walsall players adore him, really. Um, and if it wasn't, a lot of them, their careers weren't progressing as they had wished until they got under the management of Dean Smith. So there is this fear that these players may not play for another manager at all that Dean Smith is the only man who can get the best out of them but I spoke to Dean about that yesterday he believes that there's so much character in that dressing room and I think we saw that on Tuesday night against Shrewsbury one nil down after 40 minutes against your rivals without your manager but they turned it round. they were absolutely outstanding and went on to win the game three one and could have could have could and probably should have had more
2: and just just finally on Dean Smith having, having spoke to him yesterday I don't know whether you asked him about this or not, but I sort of touched on it earlier, but coming back to to the Brentford way of doing things... Is he entirely comfortable with the whole set-up there? I know, you know it's a big opportunity and you, you think sometimes a manager might take a punt and think, right, I'll go there and, and see because I, I can't turn it down and I'll have to see whether I can live with the, with the structure. Or I mean, Do you think he is entirely satisfied with the whole way they do things with the stats and all the different coaches they have and the directors of football and everything?
0: I think he must be. Um, you used the word punt. I can categorically assure you Dean Smith is not the type of man to take a punt. I mean, I'm sure he's ironed all these out. I know this is a very, very different structure to what he's had at Walsall because there's no doubt at Walsall he was the absolute main man. He ran the club from top to bottom, had a say in absolutely everything. He hasn't got a say in absolutely everything at Brentford, we understand. Um, But like I said, Mark Warburton left because some of the power he wanted was being taken away from him. I think Matthew Benham realises now in hindsight that was a mistake. It wouldn't surprise me if Smith has got a little bit more of a say than maybe a lot of Brentford fans expect.
1: And just finally on the squad that Smith leaves behind, do you think they're good enough to maintain this promotion push for the rest of the season? Because there's no huge standout names in there. Who who are the main players that have been impressing so far?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think there's three players who are by far and away too good for League One. Uh, One in particular, a lad called Rico Henry, 18 years old. He's a left-back, absolutely outstanding talent recently broke into the England under-19s team. From what I understand, he's being watched by the likes of Manchester City, Arsenal, Tottenham um, and Liverpool. Um, he, Fingers crossed, Walsall can keep hold of him in January, but I think in the summer, you, you'd imagine he'll be on his way. Tom Bradshaw, his record now for uh, Walsall is 61 games and 32 goals, um, which is pretty special for any striker, really. And then in central midfield, you've got a lad called Romain Sawyers, um, a real creative player who's just technically so gifted and is operating on a different wavelength to the vast majority of players in League One. So they've got these three players who every single week now are, are a cut above the rest. Um, and then the rest of the squad are just also very, very talented. It shouldn't be underestimated how talented they are. Lads like Kieran Morris and Milan Lalkovic on the wings and also Adam Chambers, the defensive midfielder. He's He's a brilliant player as well. But they have got this great attitude, this brilliant work ethic. And the big thing about Dean Smith is over the past couple of years, he's got them organised. They all know their jobs. They all know exactly what they're doing week in, week out. I think as you see with teams like Burton, that that gets you so far these days.
1: So that was Joseph Marcy from the Express and Star newspaper talking all about Dean Smith's move to Brentford. Um, It's a real change, isn't it, from what was going on in the summer there? Uh, letting Warburton go. Um, they would never have imagined they would have had three managers by the start of December. No, and, and he walks into a, an interesting
2: situation in so much that the club isn't in the doldrums that it was at the start of the season when Dykehausen was there. Lee Carsley's come in and stabilised the ship and, and, has, and has improved the form and, have, and has taken them higher up the table than they were. So, he has to keep it going, Dean Smith, and he'll need to hit the ground running. But it's not like he comes into a squad where confidence is going to be completely on the floor, and then they're really struggling. But there is there is a slight little bit of pressure to to say that he needs to be better than to, than Lee Carsley. That's the guy who he's going to be judged against, not just Dykehausen as well now. And of course, Carsley's still at the club, and will go back to being his. Um, to, to his role on the, uh, the the development squad manager, I believe. So I mean, that's a good thing as well. You'll be able to you know give Dean Smith a bit of a heads up and how it's been going the last last few months, and hopefully it should be all good. It is, it is an interesting appointment though, because Dean Smith's a, a name that we have kind of been aware of, haven't we, for the ever since we started doing this this pod. He's one of the longest serving managers and he's done a good job at Warsaw. but he he's not a, a sexy name. He's not a, a name that has been at the forefront uh, of the queue for championship jobs over the last few years, um, but he's finally got his, his chance at moving up. And I think it's a good thing. And I think lots of people within football will look at this appointment and think that they'll be pleased about it. Because this was a club, Brentford, that people looked at in the summer and thought, you've got rid of Warburton and you've appointed Dykehausen And there, there, were, there were some people that were disappointed to see a British manager lose his job to be replaced by, on paper at least, an average manager from the Dutch League. Uh, and now a promising young English manager has been given a chance at a good championship club, a championship
1: club with ambitions to be in the Premier League. Uh, and I think that's got to be a good thing. Absolutely. Um, let's hope he does well Um, because like you say with the new stadium on the horizon and everything off the field they're set up for a good push at getting into the Premier League over the next few years right Uh, plenty of other managerial changes not just the potential one at uh, Burton Albion and the one at Walsall plenty more's been going on we'll talk a little bit more about those next you're listening to We Are Going Up we've got the football league covered Right then, to League One, where Colchester United have made a change. Tony Humes leaving the club by mutual consent after a run of just one win in their last nine games. Uh, Wayne Brown, as you were mentioning, um, Watford Connections, the under-18s boss is the caretaker, with John McGreal as his assistant, as a, a classic. Uh, was it Ipswich? Yeah. John McGreal centre yeah. yeah. off from back yeah. in the day. Um, and Chesterfield, as well as Colchester, have made a change. Mark Smith's their new caretaker. Because Dean Saunders has left the club and his managerial career over the last couple of seasons has take a, taken a nosedive.
2: It really has. The days when he was flying high with Doncaster in, in League One seem a long time ago, don't they? And really, ever since he, he moved up and took that Wolves job, he's never recovered
1: really. And it's it's a shame because it, it did look promising at one stage. He was at Crawley, wasn't he, last season? Yeah. They uh, ended up going down eventually, so obviously that's Chesterfield's thinking. If it carries on like this, we're going to be relegated, and they are a club which bounds between the bottom two divisions, as we've discussed many times before. Um, team that got relegated from League One last season, who are now down ninety second in the football league, if my uh, my tables are correct. Here is uh, Yeovil Town, seventy second um, in the football league. Okay, all right, yes, it's, it's early. early, yes. <laughs> Uh, it's before 10am, I don't usually function at this time. Um, <laughs> sorry, Yes, yeah, 72nd in the Football League, 92nd in the English Pyramid. Um, Yeovil Town, who you predicted at the start of the season, I think we both did, we we're going to have a real struggle on the hands to stay up hmm. after successive relegations, Championship and League One. Paul it went in just uh, after they'd been relegated or sort of couldn't really save them in April. Um, this season he's picked up just 11 points from 20 league games with just two wins, 12-game winless run, and he's been sacked. Yeah, I heard him interviewed
2: last week. Actually, he sounded thoroughly miserable. Um, he always does, though, doesn't he? Yeah, but really, really right. bad this time. Like he really didn't have a clue, and how they were going to get out of this this trouble that they're in. So maybe it's a good thing they've, they've got time to save themselves. It's going to be difficult, um, as we've seen in the last few years. Teams that have been in the battle, you know, all, all season tend to kind of. Uh, in the last few years, they've kind of dropped. Even before the end of the season, they, they've not been able to get their heads above water. But it'll be a real shame if Yeovil dropped out of the football league, having come so far, having got up into the championship from where they were to, to fall back down so quickly. Would be would be a real shame for a club like Yeovil. But perhaps that you know that that's that's the way it goes. Sometimes you live the dream, you 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 go for it, and you you spend a few years in the sun up there, and then. You, you can quite quickly come very uh, crashing back down to earth but it'll be interesting to see who they go for this
1: time well, I was going to say is Gary Johnson available at the minute mm-hmm. <laughs> he's in yeah, Cheltenham well, isn't he yeah. Terry Skiverton that's, he's usually one of those two well, he's in, he's going to be in caretaker charge of again course. I think until they sort it out so naturally um, Cambridge as well Richard Money left recently I don't think we mentioned that on the pod and Sean Derry's back in football and mm. um, who was in charge at Notts County last season. I know he's uh, he's sort of done a few bits for Talk Sports. so you've met him a couple of times, very impressive chap. Well, it's interesting that in the last few months
2: two of the two of the managers who featured quite heavily in Mike Calvin's Living on the Volcano book have both been given jobs back at back in the football league after having been out of work for for a bit of time. Um, Martin Ling being the other one, of course, at Swindon. Uh, and I just wonder whether that that coverage that they got in that book may have just swung uh, the vote in their favour when when they were applying for these jobs and and managers and chair, chairmen have have read that and, and have seen the publicity around it and thought actually you know this, maybe there's more that meets the eye to these guys maybe I should look past their their most recent jobs and their most recent failures if you like and give them a chance uh, and I think Sean Derry is, uh, is a promising manager I don't you know he obviously was he, he took that job at Notts County um, as it, you know he was still playing. Wasn't he when he took when he took the job and he was fre- fresh out of playing and still playing and he, he probably wasn't ready for it but he the opportunity was there and he took it um, so he's only going to learn and you think he's only going to get better and uh, at Cambridge he has a
1: club in that division who should be doing better than they are and there's potential there looking at the table at the minute um, go to the Championship Brighton. Top of the table after eighteen games, they're still undefeated. It's brilliant, isn't they've it? They just yeah. announced though a ten point four five million pound loss, mm. which well, um, shows you the, what they're playing with. The, the,
2: you know, yeah, getting exactly. up is
1: very very important for them for their um, accounts in the year to July twenty fifteen. Um, Derby had gone top temporarily, uh, so they've really sorted themselves out. They had a really really poor start to the season. They're in third at the minute, and if you just sort of cast a gaze down towards the bottom of the table, a couple of clubs I wanted to mention. Leeds United. You've seen the story about the pie tax. Yeah, it's been broken. Uh, the Championship Club, Leeds, set to raise the price of adult tickets in the South Stand by a fiver, but a meal deal voucher will be included in the price. Uh, the club is looking at ways to encourage supporters to use their the catering. Now that, you know, doesn't cast the best impression of what the food is like at Ellen they're Road they're forcing you um, to have happen. a meal so, deal basically yeah, they basically are and I've never, I've never been before so I'm not sure what the pies are like there. Um, has Steve Evans got anything to do with this? I couldn't possibly say. <laughs> anyway that's what's going on there at the minute and um, the other story about when they played Rotherham a couple of weeks ago, they didn't give Neil Redfern a yeah, car park pathetic pass. isn't it? It's just ridiculous. It was,
2: it, from what Redfern was saying it was pretty much down to Chelino. I think. It just shows you
1: you know how, how oh. ridiculous he he can be at times. Um, most and Char- of the time, <laughs> yeah. And Charlton just ahead in front of the relegation zone. There's protests going on there at the minute.
2: Yeah, there there is, and because there was a, a quote from the hierarchy there. I don't think it was from the owner. Perhaps one of the, the chief executive or one of the people sort of um, on the board or something at Charlton who said that only two percent of the fans. Aren't happy, or 98% of the of the fan bases is, is happy. Um, so they they've kind of been doing this. We are the two percent sort of um, protest, and I think that it does appear to be more, a lot more than just two percent of that fan base is, is quite deeply uh, unhappy uh, and disenchanted with what's going on at Charlton at the moment. As we spoke about a few weeks ago, and this really does deserve to be looked into in greater detail over the next few weeks. Maybe maybe we should do that. There's a real sense of a disconnect between the people that own that club and are making the decisions about what th- that club is and on, on the pitch and off the pitch and, and
1: the fans and what the fans want it to be. Uh, and that's a real shame. And four points below Charlton, bottom of the shot with one win from 18 games, 12 points, four points off safety. Bolton Wanderers, desperate. Uh, Trevor Birch, Trevor Birch has been brought in, the new club advisor, Phil Gartsides, ill at the minute. Um, Eddie Davis is prepared, prepared to write off this debt. So basically, they're looking for a buyer, anyone to come in and take the club. The players haven't been paid. The PFA have got involved. And on the field, there's no sign of a win. The squad's not good enough. And I saw Mark Iles from the Bolton News tweeting yesterday saying that the club, like people at the sort of club, basically fearing for their jobs at the minute um, mm. and saying that, you know, they're encouraging all Bolton fans to get down to the game on Saturday to the Macron as if, you know, as if it's like the last game the club will ever play. I'm sure it's not. And Kevin Davis was on. Five Live a couple of days ago saying that they could be in administration by the end of the week. It's just a very, very grim picture at the minute for fans of Bolton. It is indeed. And it's just another example of
2: a club that for so long was in the Premier League, were in Europe and they were living the dream and then bad decisions are made. And they relegation follows, and then again, an attempt to get back into the Premier League by re- you know retaining players on big wages and having having the burden of the Premier League um, structure and infrastructure, and they don't have the gates that they used to have. They don't have the money from the TV that they used to have, and and it only you, unless you cut your cloth very quickly or get back into the Premier League. This is what can happen, and that debt has been hanging over them for a long time. Eddie Davis is prepared to write it off so they can be lucky in that sense. it could have been a whole lot worse than it is for them. but they are in desperate situation. They really need to sort this out. otherwise you know we could see uh, you know another club in administration
1: and we have to uh, you know start basically starting all over again and they're not the only club at the minute uh, in the Northwest who've got financial problems because Oldham um, haven't paid their players oh, they didn't play them on time anyway. I believe it's a couple of months in a row. David Dunn's under pressure there they have now been paid as of yesterday as we record Um, but I suppose one sort of positive um, story to mention just to sort of round things up is uh, Northampton Um, Chris Wilder a couple of weeks ago gave an impassioned interview after the Notts County game urging David Cardo to sell the club and he finally has done yeah and it's
2: good to see that the the situation has finally been resolved or or is close to being resolved and they can concentrate on continuing what has been a very good season on the pitch so far and I think it's galvanised the team and the and the supporters, and they must be, you know, thinking that from a few weeks ago, worrying whether they would have a club at the end of the season, to thinking that their club might be in in a division higher. Um, I think there are still some questions, though, uh, to be answered with the situation. The whole uh, issue of where that money went, that the council loaned the club f- to build this new stand, that still isn't completed I think needs to be answered and will be looked at by the police and by by the law really so we'll wait and see what happens with that situation but for the short term it looks at least like their future is secure and they should be able to, to go forward and move forward from this which is a good thing
1: Absolutely and they've been having a great season on the pitch they're joint top of League 2 three teams on 40 points at the top Oxford, Plymouth and Northampton after 20 games It's the FA Cup second round this weekend and it is DC the Hot Pot Derby are you aware of this? The Hot Pot
2: Derby. So that'd be Lancashire. Who's,
1: who, who, which two of those many teams up there are facing each other? It's Berry and Rochdale, mate. How do you Of not course. Know? Sunday at midday. I've got my ticket. I'll be there just about, I think. Um, so, yeah, Confident? it's lo- uh, No, because we always lose to Rochdale. Um, and it's a big occasion. And it's on the telly. It's on BT Sport if you want to watch it. Midday kickoff on Sunday. Um, you can watch a feast of football, and yeah, well, it's going to be—it's kind of all or nothing. I, I'm, you know, if we if we get knocked out, so be it. It's like in a blaze of glory. But if we uh, if we win into the third round of the FA Cup, we'll win over your neighbours. Don't get much better than that. No, uh, and Barry have been in the news this week because they're one of three clubs that have uh,
2: been revealed that yes. haven't paid any money to agents. I know. I was last I've, year. I've, I've got to be which honest. Is quite was, a good thing.
1: I was staggered when I saw that. It's impressive, um, really, because you've had yeah. a lot of
2: players come in. So a lot, a
1: lot of kind of players. you'd know, you think would be uh, Mm. who wouldn't have moved to Bury a few years ago so it does make you wonder are they making up for that by paying even bigger wages I don't know but yeah certainly when you look at those tables I think in our division I know Wigan were uh, in the championship last season but they paid like a million and a half pounds to agents and we paid zero Mm. who are the other two clubs is it Hartlepool and and Accrington and Accrington that was Mm. it yeah we should we should mention that right I think that's pretty much a lot I've got one more thing for you though uh, have you seen
2: this thing the Football League have been doing called Stand Up and Be Counted? Uh, no. So it's calling all fans of Football League clubs around the globe. They're basically oh, trying yes, to out... Oh, yes, sorry, I have seen this, yes. Overseas fans. ...where which are the biggest clubs, so the most supported clubs outside of the UK. Uh, do you want to have a guess at the uh, top top three?
1: There's been 52,781 uh Votes so far. Okay, so what the three most most sorry the three most supported clubs in the football league outside of the UK. Yeah,
2: um, it, it, for it, for the purposes of this website, having gone onto the website and said oh, I right, support, okay. so it's not, in, it shouldn't. I'm in wherever I'm in Australia and I support this
1: club, and then they tally it up and say who's right. got the most. So are you trying to say to me that the top three doesn't necessarily correspond with the three biggest clubs in well, the football league?
2: Not necessarily.
1: Okay, right. I'm going to go for I'm going to go for Leeds United. They are second. Nottingham Forest? They are fifth. Hmm. Um I'm sure it's bound to be a team that have been in the Premier League the last few years. You'd think. Mmm. No, right, right, right. QPR Fourth. Oh, okay. Not doing too badly. Um uh, is it a championship club, the number one? No.
2: It's not. I'll tell you. I'll put you out of your misery God. Third, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Right. Uh, And top of the leaderboard, with 6,359 fans uh, outside uh, the UK, Notts County. (laughs) (laughs) It's all those Juventus fans, probably. Well... I mean you'd think so wouldn't you yeah. you'd think that's the obvious thing and, and you'd be right to an extent uh, over half of their 6,000 uh, 6, odd fans are in Italy right obviously that Juventus connection but that still means there's 3,000 odd <laughs> fans from around the globe and you can actually go on the website and there's a map so you can find out who you hover over each country in the uh, who have had people vote in it, and it tells you who, who, the makeup of the of the fans in that country, and there's all sorts there's people from Scandinavia say so they're Notts County fans, there's people from the Southeast Asia, you've got China, uh, central Germany, quite a lot of fans in Germany who are supporting Knotts County, Australia all over the place. Notts County are a global force <laughs> it
1: seems <laughs> didn't see it didn't feel like that way when we went to um, no. a few weeks ago, did it? Um, brilliant right well that's it. Um, it's that on the football League website. Yeah, go, go on the Football League
2: website, that. but the actual, well, they, it'll be on there, but the, the address for this specific bit is uh, representyourclub.com.
1: There you go. If you're listening to this podcast outside of the UK, I know we have quite a lot of listeners in Australia in particular and America, go and represent your Football League side. Uh, if you want to email us, you can email via the website, We uk. but anything, you can also tweet at Wagyu Podcast. that's W-A-G-U podcast. Uh, same for the Facebook page and Instagram as well is Wagyu Podcast too. And if you want to download a free audiobook just in time for Christmas, why not? Uh, register for a free one-month trial to claim it. Uh, just go to audible.co.uk slash going up. If you did trial the service over 12 months ago, the good people at Audible are giving you the chance to get your hands on another audiobook for free. And if you go to podcast-survey.com and fill in the survey there, you can win yourself potentially 200 quids worth of Amazon vouchers, which would be nice, wouldn't it? Christmas. There you go. Get on that. Right. Is it breakfast time yet? I think it was. (laughs) I've done this instead. That's it. Thanks for listening to We Are Going Up. We'll speak to you next time. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the football league covered. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
0: Go!